The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode 15, Old Testament Ugliness. In this edition of The Christian Atheist, I want to present an issue that still troubles me, and thus fulfill a promise I made in the first edition. I am a Christian, but I intend to take an honest and unvarnished look at seriously troubling issues of faith. Faith in God is not a matter of simple assent, but one of wrestling with the deity. And one never escapes such a match undamaged. As I said in the last Christian Atheist, God and his way of doing things often confuse me. While I can accept that satisfactory answers to many questions may not be forthcoming, there are some issues that pose greater problems than others. One issue shakes my faith in God to its very core, the Old Testament sacrificial system. I understand that this system prefigures Christ, I understand the propitiation of the divine requirements of a holy God. I accept that the wages of sin is death. That my failure to live up to the holy requirements of a just God requires my life in payment. The doctrines of substitutionary atonement and justification by faith all depend upon Christ's sacrifice on behalf of sinners. I understand that the idea of sacrifice holds psychological significance as a bargain with the future. I am also a naturalist, understanding the death-for-life cycle of nature, which speaks clearly of sacrifice. My objection is not naive or sentimental. It is, I suppose, if I must label it in some way, aesthetic. Labeling it as such, though, feels like I am trivializing it as an objection, which is a mistake, as almost by itself it can reignite my atheist sympathies. I would suggest it is a serious stumbling block to faith for many. The sacrificial system as it is presented in the Pentateuch, primarily in Exodus and Leviticus, is ugly. It violates the beauty, symmetry, and perfection of the God whose image I adore, whose beauty overwhelms my senses. How can this God be the author of that monstrous religious system? For me, this objection is nearly fatal to faith in the God of the Bible. The atheist in me continues to recoil here, and were I still standing on the opposite side of the looking glass, rational reflection could make this issue sufficient to prevent a turn to God. It was one of those impassable barriers blocking me for 25 years from stepping back through the looking glass, And though step back I did, its ugliness haunts even my Christian consciousness. I think that this aesthetic stumbling block is not unique to me. C.S. Lewis's Narnia presents a mythological version of Jesus in Aslan, a correspondence with Adam and Eve in a creation story, a substitutionary atonement narrative, the equivalent of an Old and New Testament structure. But there is nothing, nothing, even in allusion, 
corresponding to a sacrificial system in Lewis's narrative. Why not? Because, I would suggest, it is singularly unattractive, archaic, arcane. It is not the idea of sacrifice that is problematic. Greater love has no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Such sacrifice is noble, beautiful. Gandalf sacrificed himself against the Balrog for the fellowship. Aslan sacrificed himself for Edmund. But the endless, bloody, and brutal deaths of countless animals, the prohibitions and prescriptions, the penalties and punishments, the ritualistic washings, and, dare I say it, the stench of burning flesh. How do we make sense of this hideously unattractive, labyrinthine, ritualistic and brutal sacrificial system laid out for Old Testament worship in the Pentateuch? Why would God create such a system? Then, too, God's people were to be unique, set apart. But blood sacrifice was the rule, not the exception for religious practice at that time. All around the Hebrews were other sacrificial systems. We expect God to be better than those gods, nicer, perhaps. The nub of my struggle, I think, is that there is something repulsive about the voluntary aspect of this sacrificial system. It's contingency. Why did God do this and not something else? Why not something radically different from these other systems? Other gods were bloodthirsty. If the point was obedience and not sacrifice, why this sacrificial system? In passages like these, God himself seems to display a certain reserve. 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Isaiah 1, 11 and 12. The multitude of your sacrifices... What are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? From the perspective of metaphysical explanation, the sacrificial system, its historical context and implications, in addition to all the arcane and ritualistic practices and peculiarities of Hebrew worship, still causes me to doubt. To prioritize an historical narrative explaining religious faith in general and the Hebrew sacrificial system specifically in solely human terms. As a development in the history of theistic conceptual evolution, in a future edition of The Christian Atheist, I will need to carefully lay out my distinction between metaphysical and ontological explanation, as without that I can easily be misunderstood in what I am saying in these forums. For now, let me say that at the level of ontology, my faith in God is oddly, 
perhaps paradoxically, strengthened by this problem's difficulty. This, however, is a function of where I now stand before the looking glass, and I cannot expect that those on the opposing, that is, the atheist side, will find this vision one they can share. It is significant, though, to understand that it was seeing both sides clearly, theistic and atheistic, that enabled my passage back, Christ. To my atheist friends, I will say that honestly and clearly articulating the very real stumbling blocks to faith in God is always a good thing. As a Christian, I do not fear truth or honesty, only lies and falsehood. It was lies to myself that kept me from that leap back through the mirror for a quarter century. It is leaving these stumbling blocks unarticulated and nebulous rather than spelling them out in clear and rigorous detail that allows us to examine their strengths and weaknesses. Failing to rigorously examine our understanding, or lack thereof, is where the true danger lies. Socrates taught that confronting our ignorance honestly is the only rational way forward. Objecting without truly understanding your objections is self-deception and is both arrogant and self-defeating. Worse, it is allowing the thoughts of others to possess and control you. The way forward, as T.S. Eliot says, is the way back. Knowing what you believe or don't, clearly articulating it in a logical, rational chain of thought with as great a specificity as you can manage is the best way to examine both what you have right and what you might have wrong. Unless you know where you've been, it's difficult to know where you are going. Even on this side of the looking glass, the Old Testament sacrificial system remains troublesome for me. I cannot bypass its ugliness. I cannot explain it away. Now, however, at the level of ontology, the things which cause doubt at the metaphysical level have become some of the most powerful evidential claims for God's existence. I believe because I do not understand. Much as I believe that quantum theory is at some level true, despite its contradictions and paradoxes, as I believe the age, 13.8 billion years, and extent, 46.5 billion light years, of the universe, despite my inability to conceive of such time or such distance. Reality has shown itself to me as too massive, complex, and contradictory for my limited understanding. Being always exceeds my grasp of it. My 25 years of atheism were filled with a frenetic search for understanding. I possessed a powerful faith in human reason, science, and the processes of human inquiry. Eventually, I believed, we would tie together all elements of reality, eliminate all contradiction, resolve all paradox, and really know something. I hated Socratic uncertainty. In my Introduction to Philosophy courses, I presented a comparison contrast of Socrates and Plato. Plato, as the one who answered questions, became the hero of my class, while Socrates, with his perpetual claim to ignorance, his unwillingness to resolve uncertainty, was the villain. 
slowly and inexorably, however, over those 25 years of atheistic inquiry, as my explorations deepened and expanded, quantum mechanics, chaos, string theory, astrophysics, music, art, literature, anthropology, psychology, everywhere I turned, it was Socrates' vision that won the day. What we don't know always exceeds what we do. And even our knowledge always rests upon faith in fundamental principles. And there is never universal agreement on first principles. No certainty, even on them. When disciplines are honest, they acknowledge this uncertainty. But this honesty fades the farther a discipline moves from its fundamental assumptions. That is, the farther a discipline wanders from a consideration of its first principles, the more arrogant it becomes in its claim to knowledge. It is in this way that science has adopted godlike pretensions in the popular mind, and even among scientists who should know better today. Please do not misunderstand me. I am an advocate of science, its discoveries, and its many successes. I accept and approve the search for truth in all its guises, but I want us to be honest about what we know and what we don't, to squarely face our limitations, our ignorance. Reality must be seen in all its complex and contradictory aspects, its beauty and its ugliness. Reality is not simple, nor easily understandable, nor unfailingly beautiful. The electron is both wave and particle. Time and space are relative. We cannot know both the velocity and the position of an elementary particle. Something can come from nothing in spontaneous pair generation and annihilation. Observation changes what is being observed. Quantum entanglement violates the speed of light and nullifies space. Is Schrodinger's cat alive or dead before we check? Can it really be both and neither in quantum superposition? All is not reconciled in reality or in the honest stories we tell about it. The world is confusing, contradictory, unresolved, complex, ugly as well as beautiful, rational and irrational. The stories we tell about reality ought to be likewise complex, as most good scientific stories are. The Bible and its God reflect this complex reality better than any other story I know. It is this very pointed opacity to human reason that gives evidence to its extra-human origin. I should be suspicious if God's plans and actions always made sense to me, always prevented a vision that never challenged my limited, finite, and fallible faculties. It is thus, once again, my fundamental desire to be God, my totalitarian desire to force reality to conform to my expectations that I find at the heart of my atheistic pretensions. God's plan for Old Testament worship should be beautiful, not ugly, and if I find it otherwise, God is at fault. I would have done better. There is nothing new in this criticism. 
It is as old as mankind, perhaps older. Self-conscious rationalism solipsistically asserts its supremacy and plays a resentful victim to all the world's ills. By contrast, Socratic ignorance, true humility, throws us back on our finitude. I do not mean that Christians are humble and atheists arrogant. I've seen too many social media brawls between the two to be so naive. Arrogance is human, but Christianity, as opposed to Christians, excoriates it. It is part of what is to be crucified in the new man, and here we see why. Both as an atheist and as a Christian, I found the Old Testament sacrificial system atrocious, ugly, and a challenge to faith. I do not understand why God instituted this rather than something else. It seems to me that a perfect being could have done something different and better. God remains the great I am, however, and I am a man, and not a particularly good one at that. That ugliness inhabits God's answer to our disease is graphically reflective of the reality of this fallen world. The divine artist, then, paints the truth, which I've elsewhere said is the greatest ally to beauty. Where the all-knowing physician's diagnosis and cure differs from the patient's, prudence dictates we defer to the physician. If he slay me, yet will I trust him. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Deuteronomy 29, 29. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.